You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 37 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller, dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take the game to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How are you doing, Rob? Uh, we're, we're still dealing with the fact that we're in a different studio tonight, <laughs> with, with a little bit of an audio change. So uh, I think like there's just weirdness going on a little there's a little weirdness going on tonight. so yeah so if you guys are noticing that there's uh you know our music's going a little longer and we're sitting here kind of stumbling a little bit <laughs> it's because we're literally having to look all the way across the room at caitlin who feels like a mile and a half away from us right now <laughs> we're, we're and, this like big long table instead of this like small intimate round table like we usually are yeah so uh we, we uh, apologize we apologize I should, I should take a picture of this place and just put it up on twitter for y'all yeah because it's it's much bigger it's crazy i mean I, I mean, it's twice the size. It's twice the size. So, uh, anyways, we are here. We are uh, we are we are talking, and we're going to try and get through this craziness right now. Uh, everybody's saying hi, Kate. So, they're, they're, she's waving and, and trying to get through her craziness. <laughs> hi, there local she goes. celebrity. There we go. There we go. I feel um, great. <laughs> new doggy pictures will be coming out. Just wait. Um, so tonight's show is on burnout. Um, and we're not talking about uh, the video game. We're we're talking about unfortunately because that's an awesome video game. <laughs> it is. It is. It, don't confuse Burnout and Flat Out. Those are two different games. Right. Right. Uh, still fun. Both of them are fun. Um, hey, Knox uh, and uh, Overwatch and Sam. Thank you for joining us. Uh, strangely enough, I am uh, I am seeing that uh, Techno Lich is going to be missed tonight, uh, but we will still talk about Techno Lich in the third person for this entire time. Just because. Uh, so um, when we're thinking about burnout, Sarah, I know that uh, you would kind of immediately felt the dread of having the conversation about this because it it's it, it, it came a little too real. Yeah, there recently. was last last game. Um, I had to talk myself down from a bit of a ledge because it was uh, I, I I kind of felt like it was an unmitigated disaster, <laughs> but but I think um, we all we all from our side of the table a lot of small things seem oh, yeah. a lot bigger than they are. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, when there's a communication breakdown. Yeah, exactly. and I think that's a a huge thing that we all feel. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be something we'll definitely talk about tonight. Um, but if you need to open with a little bit of therapy, by all means, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that thing. Or if you'd like to fit it in somewhere, no, I, I think I think we'll we'll get our discussion going, and I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit about uh, about why why I was feeling burned out. Fair. Um, I I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm feeling a little bit better, but uh, but I'm I'm kind of glad this this discussion is happening right now because it, it's happening in an apt time, at least for me, because sure. I felt burnout and then I had to figure out how I was going to get past it. Yep, and I feel like I am now, Good. and so I can talk a little bit about how I kind of got through that. Perfect in in real time instead of just having to you know. So when we're really talking about burnout, and and we're talking about this kind of from both a player and a storyteller aspect, mm-hmm. and that is is when you're either frustrated or feeling overwhelmed or just straight out bored, and the storytelling and game ceases to be fun. 
and you just you, when you think about it, maybe you dread it, maybe it feels like a chore, um, maybe you put off a game or two because you're just like not you don't think you're ready or you don't want to write yeah. or you don't want to add like you you look at an encounter and you're like I don't even know if I want to do this like right then you're in burnout that's what that is oh yeah yeah it yeah, happens yeah. The, to the, us all. How I would describe the feeling of burnout is when – you know when you've eaten too much but you've still got a little bit on your plate and you kind of look at it and you go (sighs) – Yeah. And you're like, oh, I've got two bites left. Oh, I can I can fit them, but I don't want to. But I yep. can fit them. It, when you get that feeling when you're looking at your at your game, mm-hmm. when you look at the the notes, the writing, yep. the miniatures, whatever, and you go, ah, that's you yep. right there. You are burned out. Yes. You are starting to feel burnout. Yes. Um. So it's like it happens to everybody. Yeah. You know? and, and there are triggers for it. Yeah, most sure, definitely. Sure. So I mean, what what causes burnout for you? <laughs> I think the biggest thing, and I'm going to say it, it's right at the top of our list, is when we have player conflicts yeah. at the table. And it can happen for any number of reasons. And I'm not necessarily saying conflicts with other players mm-hmm. or even the player with the GM, which are definitely things that are direct. It can just be the player's conflict with the game mm-hmm. or the system or devices. Uh, I mean, oftentimes not. And I know there's not a single storyteller that's on this that won't say that they've ran into this. How many times have you come into a game that's 26 sessions in or 15 sessions in and someone's like, I don't know, I don't know where my character is. Do you have a copy of my character sheet? Right. You're like, how did you show up without a character? And already like you're, you're just – you're tilted. You're already there. You're, you're already, already there because you're already stressed and anxious about the game and now you have to worry about finding a version of their character sheet. Right. And like why is that my responsibility? Exactly. It's your damn character sheet. Like, oh, God. Yeah. So instantly – Instantly causing conflict. Yeah. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, to, to talk a little bit about, um, you know, my own my own source of conflict here was uh, uh, this last game session. We did have a little bit of uh, player conflict because there was a uh, there was a rules interpretation. I was an asshole. Well, oh, no, look, look, look. I had to whisper I, it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to say that anybody at the table was an asshole. Okay, I, I, I'm really not. Look, okay. everybody had their reasons for doing things, but there were certain things going on with me as a storyteller, the things that I knew were going on behind my screen in the story and stuff like that. And instead of multiple players, yourself included, simply saying, okay, Sarah's got this under wraps. I trust her as a storyteller. And if I don't understand why this particular thing is happening – there's probably a good reason for it and it will probably be revealed in the story later. Or if we ask some good questions, it may be revealed in the next few minutes. But mm-hmm. I trust her and I'm not going to question her. Right. OK. That didn't happen. No. From several of my players, yourself included. Yep. And I'm not – we're not going to get into de- yep. details and I, and because I'm, I'm we not, could go on for I'm an hour I'm not pointing fingers. Yep. That statement has, yep. is not loaded with any, with, with, with any anger and we have talked we've this talked. through. And um, you've talked to your other players. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So this is this has been talked through with 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 the other players involved. We'll get to like that. how that helped your resolution, right? But player conflict definitely. How did it make you feel at the end of the session? I think that was the important part of that. So that conflict. What 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 it made me feel like is is that my players don't trust me as a storyteller. Okay, there you go. That's a perfect way that it brings. That's another piece of burnout. 
And, and, and like I'm going to end up fighting through the rest of my games. Or like you're if, worried if, if that you are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're worried, you're worried for the next encounter mm-hmm. that, that it created a, a, a stress for future games. Well, exactly. Because, because the rules interpretation at hand was what was causing the stress for me. It was right. like, hold on a second. Your character's level six and you're able to pull off this sort of a maneuver. And I'm looking at the rules that like fifth edition D and D presents for that sort of th- sort of thing. And yeah. They're very loose. Yeah, they're very open to interpretation. But two things weren't happening. Mm-hmm. First off, the, the the players involved were not mm-hmm. um, were not trusting my interpretation of that rule and were questioning me on it, and which made me feel like I was not allowed to interpret these rules the way that they were. Right. And in a, in a crunchier game mm-hmm. that had more. I hard defined rules and hard defined limits on what skills and such like that can and cannot do. Sure. I would say, yeah, absolutely. That's that's probably a good place to have that, you know, have that fight and we'll look it up and we'll we'll get down to it. And but like skills in fifth edition are yeah. very loose. Yeah. Like, and to put to a point, mm-hmm. we talked about this from er, an earlier episode. And one of the things that we'd said was stop the argument. State that your fact, and then come back review exactly, and then review that becomes the new games. rule, and that yeah. becomes your rule, mm-hmm. and that's how things move on. And from a psychological standpoint, when you're in that moment, it is hard to remember those steps. Yep, it's hard to accept that that's going to be the way it's going to be okay, mm-hmm. and that you can move from that. And I think that's part of what drives us is that we we sit in that fear anxiety state, yeah, and we forget that yeah, no, no, I can have control here. I can have a communication. I can set my boundaries and move forward. But but at the same time, though, that's also the other the, the other aspect of it was when I did try to assert boundaries and say this is what's going on and these are my reasons for doing so first off a i shouldn't have to justify it to you there's a lot going on behind the dm screen that you do not understand yep but secondly i don't want to be that guy you know Mm -hmm. i don't want to be that person who's like look darn it you know this is my ruling and this is the way it's going to be that's not that's right. not me as a storyteller. I want it to be a friendly game and I want there to be good emotions. So I don't want to have to assert my dominance over any player at the table for any situation whatsoever. And I'm with you. Mm-hmm. The, I think the hard that one of the hardest things is setting boundaries. Yeah. And then establishing. But once you get to a point where it's understood, refer, going back to that boundary, the first time that you create a boundary is always the hardest. The first time the kid crosses the street and they shouldn't have – and you have to set that boundary that you're not allowed to leave the yard, mm-hmm. you know, because it's dangerous and you could get hit by a car and you're scared, you're anxious, you're worried about what just happened. It is hard. Yeah. That's a hard thing to set. Yeah. You know, the first time you you do something and your boss is like, hey, we talked about this, that first interaction is always the worst. The second one, you recognize it mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, can't do that. But your boss is still anxious that it's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. Until they see that it doesn't. So that is a constant anxiety that's going to be there. But I think that the more communication helps and getting past those moments make games more successful. Yeah. Yeah. I had the same problem in 7C. 7C is exceptionally loose. Mm -hmm. Unbelievably loose. Oh, very, very loose. I have a player who is very much rule sensitive. Mm -hmm. Not so much that they care that there is a rule or that they just need the rules to be consistent constantly. And if there's a drift in that, it – it messes with their mind like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And so 7C, because it is very – I had to start setting table rules. I had to start setting my own rule sets yep. to make them more consistent so that it was easier for 
players to be able to play the game in a consistent way to get the results that they're expecting. Because from, when, they, when they ask, what does this tool do? The book says it does stuff. Correct. And that's about is, as concise it as it gets loose. in certain places. Yeah. yeah. So so I had to change that. And that was stressful as hell to me because I'm like, am I losing these players because the game's no longer fun? Yeah. yeah. And I had to understand, no, they're they're asking for a boundary mm-hmm. and for something to be set. I have to set that. I have to give them an expectation. Yep. And then I have to meet it as well. And it is a stress. So I think that's a big thing. I think player conflict in general is a big thing. But if you can get past it, I yeah. think that's that's something strong. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Just like we need to move from this. <laughs> we, 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 well, yeah, I mean, we we do. There's, there's a lot of other things that cause burnout, but I, but I I think I think it's okay to dwell on this one a little bit because I think it's probably the biggest cause of burnout. Honestly, you know, everybody shows up to have at least it's it's the biggest cause of burnout for me. Um, you know, everybody shows up to have a good time, and when a good time is not had universally across the board, then you know, I I think that's that's probably for me going like, okay, I'm not getting what I want out of this game, and right. it's becoming a chore. And if there's going to be negative feelings attached to it, I don't want to be the cause of any of that. So I'm just going to stop running it, you know. Um, no, I think you're – I'm going to pause for one thing here. Sure, uh, sure. Just to kind of roll back for an eighth of a second before we move on. Uh, Knox was saying uh, – talking about how the rules has a one-size-fits-all. Rules fit most, but there should always be an exception. And I think that's true. I think it's exceptionally important to to do that. But I think it's very hard to get all of your rules out. You have what in your mind mm-hmm. is going to be what's going to be necessary. Mm-hmm. And what's important, but getting to that point and having that conversation sometimes requires it to happen. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. Stepping on. We need <laughs> sure. other things. Sure. Uh, second one that we had kind of come up with that you had put down, which I totally agree with, is the story getting away from you. Yeah. Yeah. Either – and, I, and I, I'm going to preface one other part of that is getting away from the story. Mm-hmm. I mean sometimes you have a mind frame of a completed story in your head. And the players decide to take option B yeah. and it just goes too far. And now you've lost the story that you originally had. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt, that's my D&D game from right to get-go. <laughs> I lost the story and then I, I did the one thing that I didn't think I would ever be able to do and that was picked up a new story and yeah. ran with it. I just, I just added on. Sometimes that's not the story you're you're there for. You know, was it was it you that was telling me about? Uh, and I don't remember if this was an actual thing or if this was just an example that you cooked up. But uh, you know, where the story you'd set was, uh, you know, okay, so you know, session one, there's a princess and this dragon swoops down and steals the princess. And, you know, the intent is for the player characters to then say, well, we're going to go rescue the princess. But instead, your player characters say, we don't care about her. We've never met her. We've got no. You know, no stake in her well-being or anything. Good luck with the dragon. We're going to go adventuring this way. You know, and that, right. So, you know, what, what do you what do you do at that point? You know, do you reset the game? Do you try to railroad them back into uh, in, into rescuing the princess, or do you follow them and right. just say, okay, it's I where guess they want to go. I guess we're going that way now. You know, right. I guess their story isn't the princess. Let's make something else up. Yeah, and you know? and I had a mind frame of where I was going to take the story. And the players focused on something I didn't expect. And when they did that, I started saying, okay, well, I can either run with this and and let them see where it leads them, let the world be the world. So I moved immediately my D&D game from a single story that I had set mm-hmm. and was framed around certain players and certain character moments and, and motivations to this is a world. I have things in this world. 
I, I guess they could just happen. So I let the, the literally the villain continue doing his job. Mm-hmm. Like, and it happened. The world did what it was going to have happen to it, and the players were are are now attached to that. And so now we're done with that. Mm-hmm. That happened. The world changed. What are we going to do about that? Right. And so it it progressed. It was interesting to to kind of. It was a little cathartic in the release mm-hmm. of that. It was hard to come back to it because I had to remember all the pieces. <laughs> but whoops, yeah, whoopsie. Um, so I think stories getting away from you can be very challenging. I think yeah. uh, some of my Seven C games kind of did that at times, but I let Seven C kind of roll where it wants to, yeah. and have learned to adapt my storytelling to be more. Well, I guess we're here, and that person shows up, you know, and yeah. it makes sense. And it's it's just the scene that I wanted to have now happens in a different place. But but you know it, to 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 kind of get back onto why it can burn you out though you know it, it's it, it your stories are your babies yeah you know as a storyteller that's that's like the core reason you're sitting at the at the table and if you're especially invested in you know you 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 put all this time into writing these characters these locations these plots and such like that mm-hmm. and then to have your entire story you know your entire team just like throw it out the window and just say we're gonna chase that goblin over there and you're mm-hmm. like what the hell am I doing this for you know right. So, uh, I, I mean, I think I think maybe you can combat that by by being more willing to roll with the punches a little bit, yeah, and writing your stories a little bit looser and and don't be afraid to uh, is, is it's knowing your players, yeah. I I think that's the hardest part is knowing your players. If your players know that this this episode or this mm-hmm. series of episodes is about a dungeon crawl, they know where they are, yeah. But if you literally put them in a pub and give them four people that they're talking to and don't hand them the plot. In a giant paper bag that says plot. They're going to figure something out for themselves and it may not be what you want them to figure out. Correct. Yep. And so I always say uh, if you've got players that are going to have a hard time figuring out what the plot is, cut out every scene that doesn't require it. Skip them from moment to moment. Um, and And move scene to scene with them and just change up the way the game is played. Because uh, some players – in an open world are great and maybe that's what you're really good at is just an open world and do a day-to-day campaign, Mm -hmm. you know. But if it's, you know, the opening scene is not them meeting in a bar. You state to them how they know each other, how they're connected, and now they're in the grand hall of the king's chamber meeting with the king because he summoned them. And you start the scene with him introducing what they're doing Mm -hmm. and why they're there. You 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 paint the scene like a movie, right? Where you only give them the important moments that need to happen, and you don't let them get away from it. So yeah, it's a little more it's a little more control. Yeah, it's definitely a little more control. But sometimes players need that. Yeah, absolutely. At other times, if you're comfortable with them just doing you know ass all, give them it. Just put it all out there oh, and yeah. let them play. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So. I I mean I I do well with more direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll I'll openly admit that. Like yeah. um uh, uh my boyfriend was playing um. Uh, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. And uh, it's, you know, it's this big, expansive, oh, open God, yeah. world. Like, what can you do in it? You can do anything. Okay. But what do you do? Anything. All right. I need something more than that. Yeah, like, yeah. point me in a direction. Give me a quest. Yep. Give me a purpose. Like, yep. otherwise, I'm just going to drive around Los Angeles for a while and yep. get bored, you know? Until I need money. And then I'll bump into someone who's going to be like, oh, you have this job. Hey, I have plot. Oh, Oh, hey, a quest. Yeah, All right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I, I mean, yeah. I, I don't I don't deal well with open worlds very well. I need I need a purpose, you know? Give, give, me, yep. uh, give me something to do there. 
Do you want to skip the next one? Because we kind of hit it. Oh, uh, yeah. We're talking about rules conflicts. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's – I think that's just conflict in general with with – between you and your players and or something not happening the way you expect it. Yeah. Um, I think that happens in a lot of games where you move from one system to another and you're trying to tell a story maybe in a new system and things aren't happening as you expected them to. Yeah. And that can be yeah. damaging to like how you feel about the story. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, under rules conflicts too, I would also put things like power gamers – um, you know, people who are kind of, you know, they, they found that one rule that may not be tuned, you know, completely and they are exploiting the hell out of it to win literally every situation. Yeah. I've had that player at my table before and it's it's awful. It's awful because it makes you feel powerless as a storyteller and then you're like, why the hell am I even here? Well, you especially know? especially if you're playing – if you're expecting the game to be a challenge mm-hmm. and they're making it challengeless. Oh, yeah. And you keep ramping it up and it's – basically you're going between – murdering the entire party and everything is too easy yeah yeah and i i mean you and i have had that talk mm-hmm. too about about my encounter design how yep. it's like six level six players and it's like hold on unless i start doing x y or z you know mm-hmm. what what rules tweaks can we have and we've had this as a group discussion in our discord of like what rules changes can we do because i don't want to put murderous you know certain death situations in front of all of you every single week but at the same time Last time I thought it was for sure going to result in one or two player deaths, you killed the villain in three rounds. I, I have a game with ninth level players, at, ninth level characters in it. Only five of us, though. Five ninth level characters. This is going to be fun. No, we'll be good. No, no we'll it be has good. nothing to do with you. <laughs> it has everything to do with the numbers yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and tactics. Yeah. And I'm going to try something I've never done. Uh, on Saturday, on the next game session, and see if it works out, and we'll talk about it and see if it it comes through. Oh. But it it has to do with some of the rules changes. It has okay. to do with some of the the movement, and I I'm hoping that it works out and it's fun. Okay. Uh, otherwise, uh, you guys all might be rolling up new characters. <laughs> oh, no. oh, I have one of those. I know you do. I know you do. <laughs> but uh, we'll see how things go. Um, the last thing I threw on here, and I think it's I think it's not as much as a uh. Of a problem as so much as it's something that can definitely make you frustrated, and that is when the rules additions change. Like seven, when Seventh uh, oh, C yeah. went from first edition to second edition, it came uh-huh. out. I was so excited. I was going to get ready to run a game. I started looking into it. I got to a certain point. I got some players together because I was like, "Hey, I want to try it with some you know soft shoe with a couple players who are sure. new, maybe one or two who are who played." I think know, I was one of those yeah, players. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I literally stepped into it, played a couple scenes, and realized this isn't gonna work because i have to change my whole brain mm-hmm. like I, I don't know how to do this it felt like i was playing with plato yeah it's yeah again it was too different mm-hmm. and it discouraged me completely i just wasn't comfortable it was it was extraordinarily free form yeah um and uh it and was... yet there's some level of rigidity to it which doesn't make a lot of sense yeah so it's and it's, then one of one of the players in your in your D and D game was also experiencing this kind yes. of culture shock from, oh, from yeah. the change in editions. Very you know? much so. There was uh, our because our, our characters were originally written in three five. Yep. And then we're porting them over to fifth uh, with kind of the new chapter of your story mm-hmm. after a decade. Yeah, a decade. A decade, a decade hiatus from your game. Yeah. 
Um, and so there were certain things that uh, this other this other player had kind of based their character around certain rules that they'd become attached to, certain um, right. combinations of things that they that they mm-hmm. that they kind of worked into their personality and such like that for the character. And then when we switched over to fifth edition, there was some there was there were some expectations that needed to change, you yeah. know, and that created a a bit of a shock for that character for that for that player, mm-hmm. and understandably so, you know, yeah, not not everybody is 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 exactly able to just kind of go oh whatever new rules hey cool whatever you know i mean it adds a whole level of role play which is very interesting but it also changes how i have to tell the story Mm -hmm. to allow for that yeah for that for that i'm clumsy in my shoes my new shoes kind of a feel yeah you know um was it knights of the dinner table did that uh where they changed editions no it wasn't knights of the dinner table was the other web comic oh uh, that was big. Munchkin? No, 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 no. Uh, no. I, I just remember all of them popping new things that they got in one of oh, the strips. Oh, uh, Order of the Stick. Order of the Stick. That's yeah. who it was. And you just see everybody change except for the bard. Right. And he's just like, oh. <laughs> like yeah. somebody gets a bow. Someone else gets like a bigger dagger. And like, you know, I think the rogue gets a bigger dagger. And yep. like, hey. Yep. Like, like, and suddenly like the cleric's like, you know, bigger holy symbol. And you're like, mm. wow, this is really great. And the bard's like, Yeah. <laughs> just the same. Bard, bard sucked in three five. Yeah, though. but that's the kind of thing that I think that growing pain uh, can sometimes cause a problem. Um, another thing that you had kind of put in here, and I totally agree with, is um, the tedium mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah, when it becomes a job. Yeah, you know. Yeah, when you're doing something week after week that's... for planning and it just becomes routine yeah it just becomes i don't know yeah when 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 you look like i said when you look at it and you go uh, then you know you're getting burned out you yeah know? and when it's when it's no longer like hey i got a few spare minutes and i'm gonna work on my game yeah. I got a great idea and i'm really excited about it you know when you lose that spark right and it's just now like all right well i gotta put in some work on my game i guess i mean i, I that always will be there mm-hmm. but i think that there's a difference between like, oh, dude, I got to put a lot of work on my game. I'm like, oh, crap. Saturday's my game. I got I to gotta get my game up. Yeah. I mean, you look, know, it, there, that's a little the, different feel. There's pressure. There's always yeah. pressure to perform. I mean, but, you know, that's just storytelling in general. But what I'm talking about was when it when it stops being a labor of love. Right. And starts being a labor. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think there's a point in that in every story. And there's there's some room for that. Um, there were some definite ideas that I've heard some people come up with for breaking that down because I've known games that have run – like I've read about them and, and Ben Party. I jumped into a game at one point that was already four years old mm-hmm. and I felt so weird being a new character in that game. It was so weird. Oh, I bet. Like I the bet. acceptance level of, of stepping into that game was just asinine because they didn't play for the first two hours of a four-hour session. Mm-hmm. It was conversation outside of the game because it was just friends getting together more than anything else. And it felt so weird because I was, I was ready to play. I wanted to play a game. I hadn't yeah. played a game in forever. I GM'd. I wanted to get back into the oh, game and man. I sat down and I'm I'd like, be pissed. I, it was so discouraging. I did two sessions and walked. Yeah. I just – I couldn't do it. Yeah. I could not do it. So I think that's definitely something from the player aspect is when you have an expectation of what a game is going to be like and it just doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. Like right now, my – it sounds terrible – my new edition of my Shadowrun book is in the basement on a table from Gen Con. I haven't put it back on my shelf upstairs. 
because I'm really not interested in it mm-hmm. because my last session sucks so bad. Oh. That was my Gen Con session. No. Two years ago. No. Yeah. Yeah. God, was that two years ago? Yeah, it was. It was two years ago. Oh, my God. I remember printing those minis for you. Yep. yep. Oh, geez. Okay. And okay. then the last thing you got, uh, well, I lost it here. I'm sorry. We're, we're just getting old on the air right now. We are totally like, getting old. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. So, TDM, long breaks. Oh. <laughs> funny that <laughs> sometimes you have a break of a uh, month or more between yeah. games holidays medical well, like the, reasons especially work, like december life kids snow snow you know, just hazards yeah. you know things like that just and you just lose it mm-hmm. you just mm-hmm. lose it you know you fall out of you fall out of rhythm and you just can't get it back and then it's like oh god what do i even do anymore you know yeah yeah no i Want, feel you I feel yeah you. yeah so Talked a lot about what burnout is, what yeah. causes burnout. I think there was a lot of a lot of emotions there. What do you do with it? Honestly, um, I got because I got I got I've got something that isn't on the list. I forgot. I've got write. a few things that are on the list. All right, all right. So let's do let's do the list. All right, we'll do the list, and then we'll just fly off the handle. And we'll go completely unscripted for a couple of minutes, <laughs> for like a couple because we got some questions, <laughs> and, then, and then we'll answer some questions. We'll answer some questions. <laughs> Not that we've ever done that before. We're gonna get wild and crazy <laughs> about Dungeons and Dragons. Now, All right. Well, generally things. So I, I definitely agree. Take a step back. Yeah. Like move away from the tedium of the game of of focusing on something and just do a random encounter. Do something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Make, make up something hilarious. I think a lot of writers do this in store in uh, series on TV. Mm-hmm. They'll just throw a random episode in. That like uh, um, that I'm, is is full of crap. I'm thinking of the the Deep Space Nine Ferengi episodes. Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where it's just like Quark and Rom, and yeah. they just go off on some weird adventure. Trouble with Tribbles, to yeah. I think was a totally one of those. Yeah, uh, Rick and Morty does like uh, commercial, basically where they do like snippets, mm-hmm. and it's basically them drunk and high in a booth, <laughs> and then somebody animates it. Oh God, and it's ridiculous. But I mean, it's it, it's hey, we're just doing something silly. Yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. And I think that really, as uh, from a storyteller aspect, I think that gives you a lot of fun to just do something stupid. Yeah, and and it it's frivolous. It does, but like it. And sure, you could just do, and you wake up the next morning refreshed. You look at the clock. You look outside and realize that wasn't real. Was it a dream? Did any of this really happen? You know, you do kind of a Groundhog's Day. And you can just move right on like yeah. nothing ever happened. Um, there's a lot of fun ways to do that. There's some great encounters you can find online that are like that. Yeah. Where you can insert them into virtually any game mm-hmm. and it's just some random fun that happens. And people are like, oh, God, you know, how are we going to survive or how are we going to get through this or what the hell's going on? And then at the end, it just turns out to be a giant fart of nothing. Mm-hmm. And you move on. And it's fun. And it's just – it just got you out of it. You didn't have to do much. You grabbed a canned adventure. I mean honestly, one of the, the – I would say that that step back can also include doing just that. Yeah. Grab a canned adventure from online, mm-hmm. change a few of the names on it, and literally throw your players into that. Read right off the script, you know, add a few voices to it, and literally you're doing fine. <laughs> like you didn't have to think about that adventure. Yeah. It was there for you. <laughs> the uh, the ogres of Wendell Farms was uh, was was that adventure for there us. There you go. Boom. As, yeah. as soon as Matthew joined our group, I needed yep. I needed just a one off to see you guys get to know each other. Yeah. And uh, you know, get Matthew into the game and stuff. That so I'm like, uh, I don't know. You get hired to kill some ogres or something like that. Okay, go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was perfect. I think that was a great step back. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, it, uh, kind of along the lines of stepping back though, you know. 
don't force it. Like if storytelling is not fun for you anymore and you can't find a way to change it to make it fun again, like stop. It's okay. It's okay to take a break and just step away from your game, you know. Um, Things come to ends. And and that's fine, but you know if it's if it's you, the I think the important thing to remember about storyteller burnout is that um, you're also a player at the table, and the game should be fun for you too. You know, right? And so even if you're even if your players are having fun, like and you can't find a way to salvage that, like it is perfectly okay for you to say, guys, this isn't working for me anymore. I can't continue to tell this story. You know, right? It's it's you know it's disappointing. Right. There's there may be some hurt feelings and stuff of that, but your alternative is continue doing something that is tedious and not fun for you. Exactly. And probably eating up multiple hours a week. Yes. For you, you know, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah. If you're forcing yourself to do it. Yeah. But again, communication, we Mm -hmm. say it is always key. Yeah. Always keep it up because the more quiet you are, the more people start thinking about other things. Yeah. Get worries. Fears grow fast. Talk to your players. Be honest. Let them know. It's like it's it's you. It's not them, you know, or maybe it is them, you know, but talk to them about that. Like this is the thing that is making the game not fun for me. Yeah. Can we resolve it? Yeah. Can we come to an agreement that, you know, X, Y, or Z should not happen or needs to happen? Or maybe it's just, guys, I got too much going on in my life right now and this is becoming a second job for me Mm -hmm. and I can't do it. Yeah. I mean that's basically what happened to me. That's why I had to back away from it when I did. Yeah. And it was a good thing. And I had to back away from it. I literally just stepped off from everything. Look, we all give you crap about it being uh, being a decade between (laughs) game sessions. But like none of us are salty about that because we know what was going on. Right. Right. We know know that that real life concerns stepped up for you. Yep. And and so – It kept stepping up for a while. (laughs) And I'm just glad to be back at your table. Yep. Honestly. Same here. Look, if it takes a decade – if we'd have never come back, okay, that's yeah. fine. I, I understood. There were still stories to be told. But so. you know what? I'm just glad to be back at your table. Thanks. Thanks. So. Um, sometimes you got to restart. Yeah. Sometimes you have to hit that restart button and just, you know, you, you've lost it. Yeah. That's whatever you wrote is gone. You know what, guys? This D&D game is dead. We're playing Shadowrun right now. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know. We've been you, – you all been begging me to run this game. You've been begging me to run Adventure for right. a while uh, now. Yep, and yep. this D&D game has gotten out of hand. I yep. think we're just meandering at this point. F it. Let's just toss it in the bin. We're yep. playing adventure next week. Start rolling up characters. We'll do session zero. Yep. You know? I think I think that is a great way to just shift gears. Yeah. You know, I, for I, my players that's listening, that's not an official announcement. We're not, not doing adventure yet. No. D and D is alive and well. Correct. Although I may have sent you some inspiration recently. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think comes in, in another thing that I'm going to come up with. But I think restarts are a 100 percent valid way to help you as a storyteller. Um. I think sometimes restarting in your own story mentally, sometimes you just have to you have to kill what you have and and move on, start another story, move in a different direction. I, I think that's 100 percent valid. I think that's 100 percent optional. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's sometimes important and cathartic because you can get so attached to a story that you're trying to recover or you're trying to get your players back attached to or maybe you've lost players and new players have come on so there's been information that just didn't come through mm-hmm. and things have you know just meandered for too long and you're like crap what am I going to do with this I like the players and I like their characters but my story's kind of shit start over yeah a boat shows up on shore with a new captain saying I'm going after X and suddenly the players are like 
oh, we're going this way. And poof, story now goes in a whole other direction. Yep. Just, and at some point they may be like, hey, whatever happened to this big bad guy? You know. He's not around anymore. Anyways, yeah. here's yeah. the here's yeah. the boat with pirates. Yeah. Anyways, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> right. Anyways, here's Wonderwall. You know what? That's what's going to be. I'm going to bring a ship into shore named Wonderwall. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll know that the what game is changing. To that plot? I don't know. No, anyway, no. here's Wonderwall. <laughs> Beautiful. So, which kind of leads that that thing I was just saying was one of the things that helps me out of burnout is inspiration. And inspiration for me comes from reading other people's stories. Sometimes it's reading. You know, I'll go into the D and D Reddit and I'll look at people's creations. One of the most recent ones I sent you uh-huh. was music. Yeah, it was it was a uh, remix and kind of techno lift on twenties music, nineteen twenties music. And I, it, I haven't listened to it yet. I'm it's, dead honest. It's with you. fun. It is fun. It's an hour ten. Okay, of just c- continuous mixed loops. Yeah, of different things and. It's different and it's fun and it's light. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like welcoming you back to the 20s. And I kind of like that. I was like, this has kind of got a, you know, steampunk techno edge to it, which kind of reminded me a little bit of the feel of Aberrant with the sound that was coming through that that radio sound. Yeah. And I was like, this is great inspiration. I like this. Uh, I think this would be fun to be playing in the background while we're figuring out our characters. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I, I I loved doing that. Um, like I say, but but you know, talking about uh, you know, re- real life jumping up and 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 biting you in the ass. Sorry, um, I was I was laughing at Knox. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. techno lift, <laughs> techno lift. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, talking about real life buzz, you know, stepping up and be, and biting you in the ass. Mm-hmm. You know, that's unfortunately, I just I started trying to run ab or uh, trying to run adventure at a real bad time in my life. Yeah. You know? And so I was, you still did a beautiful job. Don't get that wrong. Oh yeah, both yeah. both game sessions were great. I enjoyed the hell out of them. But it just uh, you couldn't keep it up. But uh, you no. know, I was just trying trying to manage a campaign and transition at the same time was not working for me. So no, that's a fight. Uh, that's that's, that's a, a fight yeah, on site, bro. <laughs> that's a fight on site, bro. Um. So all right, we talked about restarting. We yep. talked about talking to your players. We yep. talked about even just walking away, just burning it all down. Yep, yep, yep. All right, so we're going off script now. Do it. So those are the only three things on our list. All right, well, so yeah. what's helped me pull myself out of a bit of a funk mm-hmm. um, was first off talking to my players. Yep. So I've got a better understanding of what happened at my table. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there 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 may need to be some more discussion when we have got everybody together at the you know at the table mm-hmm. next time. Um, and uh, just kind of, you know, come to some mutual agreements as a whole group rather than having sure. individual, you know, talks and stuff of like that. Mm-hmm. But the big thing that's gotten me back on the wagon, though, and feeling good about my game is taking pride in my own accomplishments. You know, finding the light in my game rather than dwelling on the darkness of, of what it was. That is fantastic. That's and hard to do, but that's fantastic insight. And if y'all have been watching the Instagram – for Storyteller Conclave, you see some of the stuff that I've been putting up there mm-hmm. for my game, mm-hmm. for Rob's game. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's uh, something so, coming. You guys are gonna love it. Oh, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm gonna over, I'm overhyping it, but I'm, I love it. I I'm, really do. I'm eating it up. I'm yep. eating it up. Absolutely. So. And uh, so I've been, I've been diving real hard into painting minis. Uh, I've been diving real hard into making terrain. 
Um, you know, I had that resin river that I poured out for you guys. So just, beautiful. So and, beautiful. And, 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 it, and it was. It was. Like I'm going to sit here and toot my own horn. I'm not even going to be it. modest about it. Like it was beautiful. It's I'm I'm still blown away by how, how well that came together. And then especially when we put like Steve's trees on there oh, yeah. and got, you know, all the miniatures placed on it. I mean it was a beautiful scene. It was scene. a beautiful scene. Absolutely beautiful. And so I keep looking at those pictures and going like, holy shit, like I, I did that. Yeah. I'm the one responsible for that landing on the table. And I remember all of your absolutely gobsmacked, uh, you know, expressions when I plopped it on the table. Yeah. And going, oh, my God, that's what we're playing with today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're damn right it is. Yep. So just re- just reminding myself, I guess, that, you know, there's there's good things that I can get out of this. There's There's good – Things that I can I can offer you guys, right? You know, because I, I I painted a mini for you. I haven't posted it per your request because yep. you want it to be a surprise. And yep. a lot of your players follow our Instagram, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want them to see it yet. Nope. But um, but you know, I painted that and I sent it off to you, and you were very enthusiastic about it. So, um, you know, that's that's got me feeling real good about the game again. Good. And like you know what if if. Even if we do have rule, stupid rule arguments or whatever, you know, that's that's fine. That happens at the tables, but god damn it, I've got the best minis sitting out there. You really do. You know. You really do. And I think that's a great thing. I think hyping yourself, mm-hmm. finding your joy. Um, you know, what makes you smile, what makes you want to come to the table uh the first time around. I think that's sometimes we forget what initially inspired us um to do what you're doing in your game and I would encourage storytellers to keep their inspirations close uh, so that they've got that to go back to uh, so that when you're you know, lost in a story or the story's moved on from something, go back to your inspiration. Mm-hmm. Go back to that music, the movie, whatever. Like I – if I'm not feeling good about 7th Sea, I go back and watch scenes. I'll go on YouTube and catch scenes of like The Three Musketeers, Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, yeah. Those types of movies. Yeah. Because I can hear – the dice hitting the table. I can listen in my head and hear my players doing things, and it gives me that drive back to doing those things. Now watch as Inigo Montoya burns a burns a drama die and takes out an entire brute squad in one in one turn, so he can get to Count Rogan. Actually, for me, it's not even that. Yeah, it's it's him getting stabbed and standing up. Oh yeah, it's. I'm burning a drama die to ignore my wounds. To ignore dramatic wounds. wounds. And I'm yep. literally just pushing through the scene. There's you skills for that. You have 57 flesh wounds. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> the next thing is going to kill you. I'm also aware. I'm also aware. And then he proceeds to duel yep. literally, you know, and yep. drive through the duel, which then buys him more drama dice because he makes his way through the duel. Yes. I was in a game in 7C where all of us were literally – you know, shackled behind our hands, caught by uh, a villain mm-hmm. and like – or by a henchman. And he's just like, you know, he's going to be so happy when he finally sees you. And he goes through and knocks us out and he finally gets to one of our Eisen characters who's actually a, a, a apparently a uh, prince. He's Eisen, a, Eisen, for those of you who don't know 7C, is, is, is fake, fake Germany. Fake Germany. Uh, pretty much during like a Protestant war. Sure. Civil war. Uh, so he's he's there on his knees staring up at him and the guy goes to knock him out. He goes, I spend a drama die to ignore it. And we're all like, what? And <gasps> the, as the blood trickles down my face, I spit it back at him. <laughs> he hits you again harder. I spend my last drama die. And we're all like, <gasps> you know, and I was like, okay, dude, what are you going to say to him? And he said something that was amazing. Uh, and then he's like, 
he punches you with the pommel of his sword, knocking you out. <laughs> like, here's all your, you know, tons of flesh. He goes, no, that's way over. I can't roll for that. So, right, so right, he just right. takes it. But everybody agreed. Like, it was one of the most important scenes that he was basically able to eat this guy's hits and spit back at him like, I will kill you one day with that sword in your hand. <laughs> right. He did. I remember him killing that guy with his own sword. <laughs> I'm just so. thinking of every bad uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger line, you know? Yeah. <laughs> remember when I said I would kill you last? I lied. <laughs> It's stuff like that, but yeah. it's, it's moments like that that remind me, okay, I do want to do this. Mm-hmm. I do want to wait for those scenes. And having those close at hand help for writing other stories as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. You want to hit questions before we run out of time? <laughs> I was actually just going to tell you, you want, you want to take a few questions? I thought we should totally take some questions because <laughs> right. we're going to run out of time during these questions. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Uh, and I know there was a question that came up and I uh, in the live show chat, so I, I can't remember who it was. I think Draven. it might have been Draven. Draven yeah. uh, copy on that question for us so that we can see that Draven uh, and, and throw it in here as well. Uh, but let's start with uh, Knox's question. Uh, I'm going to cut to the question part of this. What are some things players can do that are positive and what are some of your favorite things players have done for you? Ooh. Um, I think for me, uh, things players can do that are positive. Um, uh, we, we, we've kind of baked this into the, um, the breakdown from our game. Yeah. Uh, so at, at the end of the game, we ask you, know, did you have fun? What was the favorite thing? And what mm-hmm. could we have done better next time? Um, so, I, but but I think I think for for storytellers out there who don't automatically do that, right. the best thing a player can do for me is tell me what really excited them about the game. Tell yeah. tell me what your favorite thing was. Tell mm-hmm. me that one moment or that one line that just that you're going to be talking about for the next week with your friends. You know, um, because to me, the the reason I st- I, I tell stories is because I like sharing that joy with other people at my table, yeah. you know. And that's why, like, player conflict and stuff like that is such a big downer for me because it's the antithesis of why I'm doing this. Yeah. If I'm creating negative emotions through my game, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. I'm, 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 I'm missing the point. But if you come to me and tell me, like, oh, my God, that scene when your villain did this and then, you know, this other player at the table said this to them and everybody cracked up, like, that was amazing! Yeah. You know, hey, that's awesome. You know, as a yeah. storyteller, I put that into motion and I, and you know I might not have delivered that killer line that was definitely mm-hmm. a player at my table but I put him in the situation where that line came out of them and everybody had a great time Aerosmith Aerosmith <laughs> yeah or or the one from our last game you know like oh you think you're you know you're such a good deceiver you know try toppling an entire city and bringing it to its knees well I don't know it sounds a bit much but I'll clear my schedule <laughs> I thought, again, fantastic. Uh, for fantastic me, line. I, I agree with that line. 100%. For me, it is still hearing Trevor tell his story from 7th C where he made a huge explosion of dice against another player and said uh-huh. – told uh, to put the baby back. <laughs> Just hearing his voice in my head and then hearing him retell his – or somebody else telling that same story to someone else or – or Erica doing the Seven C story where she literally seduced a priest out of being a negative NPC character into becoming one of the hero's friends. <laughs> Whoops, my hand slipped. Exactly. So those kind of things are important to me. Those kind of positives. They're they're worth way more than a GM bribe. They're worth way more to me than than even just at the end of the story recapping it. Mm-hmm. It's hearing it months, years later. Oh yeah. Like oh, that, yeah. that is a joy. That is a joy. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I would um, say that. 
But I mean, on, on top of that, though, uh, things players have done for me, um, I, I, I'm still absolutely floored that um, we've got some other really great painters and crafters in my oh, group. Yeah. Um, so like Steve always brings his trees and his houses and his outdoor oh, terrain. That's a little that. thing. Yeah. Um, Erica's got her, her bin of little, little bits and bobs of scatter terrain yeah. and they're just invaluable to me because I don't want to spend hours recreating something that's already sitting in her basement. Yeah. You know, just bring your thing of bits and bobs, Steve, bring your trees and wham, I'm going to be ready for anything. I'm going to be able to put any scene together on that table because yeah. we're, we've come together as a group. Yeah. You know? And I think the other, that's another thing for me is that I think if if I could pinpoint one thing that a player does for me, it's when I sit down at the table and I see someone with their dice out, their stuff up, their sheet ready, and they look at me and they're like, okay. And they're like a puppy waiting to go out for a walk. <laughs> like that look right there sells it for me. Just, I'm ready to play the game. If we had tails, they would be wagging. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean because not everybody comes to the game that way. Sometimes they're tired and yeah. it's just too much. Exactly. But – uh no, I think those are the things that, that do it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to hit the next one? Uh, yeah, Technolich asks, uh, what would be a good sales pitch for people who have never done tabletop role-playing? This one, this one kind of – this is a this is a tricky question. I loved the sales pitch that someone once gave uh, a friend of mine uh, after he hooked up. I think he was he – was, it was her, his fiancé or his wife at the time uh-huh. had found his gaming books. And so he gave this – like hour long species, you know, of what you know, diatribe of what D and D was. Okay, okay. And at okay. the very end of it, she looks at him and says, "So it's like adult make believe." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, it's adult <laughs> make believe." And she's like, "Okay, can we try?" And he immediately called four people. They all showed up. And oh she, my! They God. started playing D and D that night. <laughs> I, I feel like this is a conversation we've had with Kate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's she's nodding emphatically. Yes, yes. yes. So I I think sales pitching mm-hmm. any game system starts from knowing the person's likes. Yeah, yeah. And if they are interested in any way, find something specific that they like. Maybe they're a movie person. Maybe they're a music person. Maybe they they have a, a specific – like when they heard about D&D or role-playing in general, they had an idea of something about it that intrigued them. That is the doorway. That is where the sales pitch goes in and that's where you can talk to them about it is – it can be as challenging or as simple as you want it to be because there is a plethora of systems mm-hmm. and a plethora of games out there that you can play. I mean – Literally, I've had people say that, you know, uh, the the hidden werewolf game, and I'm using that one instead of all the other ones. Sure. You know, where somebody at the table is a werewolf and someone's the, in, you know, investigator and then everybody else are just a bunch of peons and you're trying to figure out which one's the werewolf and there's only one, you know, uh, the rules are very simple. But everything's role-playing at that point. Yeah. You're sitting around a table role-playing with each other under some very basic rules. That's role-playing. That's yeah. tabletop role-playing. Yes, it is. So – Games can be anything uh, in that sense. So I would say your sales pitch goes with what they like and what what their angle on interest started at. Yeah, yeah. I usually start by asking some questions when I have the what is D&D anyways uh, talk with people. Um, but a lot of times like uh, I, I always think back to like the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Oh, yeah. used to be out. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, did, did you ever read any of those? It's kind of like that, mm-hmm. only it's a lot more free form instead of just giving you, you know, if you choose to do this, turn to page 57 and if you do, do this, turn to page 83. It's what do you do? Mm-hmm. You can go anywhere. You can do anything. I mean, yep. if if there's some or or I also compare it to like, did you ever play cops and robbers when you were a little kid, you know? Right. And you'd run around the yard going, you know, bang, bang, I shot you. And then inevitably someone would say, no, you didn't, or you missed, I'm immune yeah. to bullets. Yeah. 
Well, no, we've it's just like that, only we've got some rules to figure out who exactly is immune to bullets. How immune are you and how big are you are the bullets you're firing? And really, did you hit them? Uh, short answer, Sam, yes, you can. They're still out there. In fact, there's a ton of them on the uh, internet that you can find. Uh, there's actually two or three software packages I'll see if I, that are online only. Oh, and Choose you Your can, Own Adventures? Yeah, you can oh, actually neat. handcraft them. Uh, there's a neat thing that you can do where uh, one person basically has a, a a window where they can draw and build stuff and mm-hmm. write a few minor things. And then the other person just sees text and then the image gets displayed when they're done with it. Oh. And basically you can live choose your own adventure with one person. Interesting. It is very interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's a couple of years old now. So yeah. anywho, I think we should – we have a few more questions. I think we should totally hit them. All right. Next up, uh, Vedran. Vedran is asking, uh, having completely crushed my rediscovered DM groove with your comparison to running games to be to preparing for the holidays. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, how do you deal with pregame anxiety? You plow through it. You plow through it. Yeah. Um, you uh, you take a deep breath and you eat some some sour gummies that your players have provided for you out of love. Yes. And. Um, you remember that everybody's friends there and you're going to have a good time regardless and uh, no plan is ever going to survive contact with your party. No. And you just accept that and you plow forward. Yep. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'm going to agree. I'm just I, – I, I can't say anymore. Good talk. Yep. Good, good talk. talk. All right. Uh, last one. You want to – Sam. Sam. I love your question. This is going to be really hard for us to try and hit, but we're going to do our best. If you've never DM before but are planning to, what are some things to expect or what can you prepare for? First off, there's nothing you can truly prepare for other than just running the story. That's the best thing. And be prepared to be discouraged and daunted and overwhelmed all at the same time. Yes. That that is the easiest thing to say. Um, always have dice. Mm-hmm. Always be prepared to re- that your players may not have dice, yes. especially if they're brand new. Um, and are there things you can make sure to keep things uh, everything flowing? The first thing I always say is, are the players having fun? If they're not, change what you're doing so that they're having fun. Right. If it's dialing back the monsters, if it's giving them something silly, if it's uh, fudging a dice roll on your side to make something work, if it's you know one of the players is getting a little out of hand with their their heavy handedness, silence them. Like mm-hmm. just throw something weird at them that silences them so that they can't do that. Yeah. You know, but literally keep the fun going. I think that's one of the first things that you can do in any game is start with fun, move from there. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as uh things that can keep everything flowing, um I, I know specifically you're running a Dungeons and Dragons game. Mm-hmm. So um I will I will address it in those terms yep. for you. Uh things to do is like pre roll your initiative. Oh, yeah. Um, Because honestly, whether those dice hit the table in front of your players or whether they hit them a week beforehand when you're drawing up your notes, it doesn't matter. Your uh, your assassins have a 16 initiative, whether that happened now or a week ago. Um, And that that way you've already got that done and you can just ask your players for their initiative and fit them in wherever they go. You know, Um, have – so like I use D&D Beyond mm-hmm. for mine yep. and all my note-taking, I use Evernote, which is another online note-taking thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. Um, so what I do is when I build my encounters, I already have links to the monsters mm-hmm. in D&D Beyond. And so when the encounter comes up, I can literally just tap, tap, tap on the three different monsters yep. and their stat cards come up for me. Yeah. I would also keep 
a notepad or some kind of something mm-hmm. you can quickly write on. I use typically use that for keeping track of hit points and and action pools and things like that depending on the game that it is so that my encounters can move very quickly and I'm not fudging with electronics to try and type things in or or write something. I can literally mm-hmm. just scribble down a number yep. or put a hash mark down yep. uh, if it's 7C because I'm keeping track of, dra- uh, of how many dramatic wounds something has, you know, and that's what I do. I think there are lots of methods depending on um, – for initiative control yep. and and who's in what order. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those are all great, but there's nothing beats having a small notepad that you can literally, when you're done with that encounter, flip the page and move to the next one. Yep. Uh, that, um, I was dropped down uh, a monster's AC mm-hmm. uh, right by their current hit points. Yep. Because um, so it can that, change. Yeah. It, it can it can change and also, but, but it's also just a reminder so I'm not flipping through tabs on my tablet. Uh, that way I've got it right in front of me. So I, I just know this one's got 14. This one's got a 16 AC, you know, whatever. Um, lastly, I will say um, let your players know who's on deck for initiative. Mm-hmm. That's good because then they know that their, you know, their clock is ticking for making a decision. Yeah. Um, and that keeps your players from like, okay, Rob, it's your turn. And then Rob starts thinking, oh, uh, oh, what do I want to do now? Right. Oh, you know what? You could have been thinking about that during – the previous player and I turn. would I would say if you're yeah. starting out as a GM like you are, don't please for God's sakes do not do more than four people. If you're going to do like four or five, you're oh, starting yeah. to step into realms that are going to be oh yeah challenging. So yeah. I would say keep it small for your sake. Uh, have at least two players. D- don't do a one on one session as your first one because that it feels very different and can feel very daunting. Yeah, it feels a little awkward because there's a lot of pressure on one person. Yeah. Now, um, I do want to get to Draven's question. But before you get to Draven's question, go I, ahead. Just, I just want to mention that um, Heatsink, I did see what you said in the live chat about eating my gummies. And uh, I will kill you. I know where okay. you sleep. Yep. That's Anyways, now on Draven's record. question. Yep. So uh, totally random question as I'm doing game prep. If you, uh, if you have you have an NPC give a speech, okay, or just a dialogue in general – do you repeat yourself so the players can get it accurate in the notes, or do you just say it once, just like they'll, uh, just like they'd hear it in real life? Um, I've done both. Yeah. Um, I've had I've had expositions go right over the head of all my players, and they miss the important things in it. Um, and I think that that's something that, depending on how important it is for the scene, versus how important it is for the entire story, can be rewrapped in summary. Um, or re-exposed by another NPC uh, that was maybe present or was aware of the conversations. Like maybe they bring that information back to someone else and they're like, wait a second. He said what? He said and then repeat it. Right. Another thing that you can do is if you find that your players aren't – and I'm not going to say they're not listening well, but they're missing audio cues, Mm -hmm. switch that kind of stuff over to a written cue. Hand them notes that have the writing on there that's important. Yeah, yeah. Um, But I think summaries help that a lot. Um, but, uh, anytime you're giving an exposition, um, where you have a player who needs to be paying attention Mm -hmm. and they're not, maybe that teaches you as a storyteller that they're not good at listening through that methodology because you can't always trust all of your players to be on the ball on the game that you need to expose something to them. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be prepared for that level of frustration to come to you and be able to shift gears and say, okay, do I need to write this down? Or do I need to tell him it again or do I need to tell him it again differently? And that I think is an important step process to get to. Um, so to kind of answer your question, I would say only a few times have I done repeats. More, more times than not, I will repeat it in a different way. 
I will expose that same line again in a different way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I think uh, another thing too is, um, you know, if don't depend on them to just catch it on the fly. Um, like especially if you you know if you watch Critical Role, you'll see Matt Mercer do this, where um he'll be in the middle of exposition and someone's writing down notes, like right. trying to take names or something like right. that. And instead of just continuing on with his speech, he'll pause. He'll give them the name again, right? A spelling if necessary, and then he'll continue his right. speech. You know, right. because the speech is important, but what's more important at the end of the day is that your players understand what's happening. Correct. And so, if you do need to take a brief pause and just say, "He said blah 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 blah," right. did you get that? Okay, cool. He continues. Wham. Right. Then, then that's great. That's great. You know, uh, and that's also uh, you mentioned summaries. Yep. Uh, that's what I do in mine. Yep. Is um, you know, I I always start by rereading the summary of the last game, and I give pertinent facts. So whether you guys caught it or not in speech, it's written in the summary. Correct. You went here. You talked to so and so. You learned X, Y, y and Z, Z. Yep. and it is explicitly stated with no flowery language, no um, you know, opinion. It is a fact stated for you that you know exactly. Exactly, and I think that's super important. And so that way, the story can continue. I don't, I don't get any enjoyment about you guys floundering around lost. That wastes no. my time and yours. Yep. So, all right. Next week, we're doing our Knox topic of this, which is dynamic storytelling. Yep. So, for once again, for uh, for those of you who are joining us uh, uh, maybe a little bit late and haven't uh, heard this information before, uh, if you are a Patreon member at our top tier subscription, uh, supporting our show, um, one of the perks that you uh that you uh, get for that is the ability to kind of suggest a to- uh, show topic for us um nox is our uh one of our uh, uh top tier subscribers so uh you know as a favor to him he has suggested to us a, a conversation about dynamic storytelling a conversation about how player choice affects the story unfolding and what a uh, a storyteller can do about that so we're delighted to uh, discuss that next week you can find us on twitter at st underscore conclave Instagram, ST underscore Conclave. Check it out there. I'm posting a lot of like miniatures and terrain and stuff. So cool. Uh, and on Discord, you can find the link on our Twitter and in the episode description of every single episode of uh, this podcast uh, on your favorite podcast software. We'd like to thank our Patreon members, especially Knox, who was out there doing our at our contributor level. And we, Samantha. And Sam. Yes, thank you so much for helping us. Every one of these dollars helps us with all the rest of our Patreon members as well to keep this show going. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Gee Frog. You can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com. We also have our outro music, which you're hearing now, which is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash tracks. We record every week at Podcast Detroit. You can find them online at podcastdetroit.com. On Twitter, at Podcast Detroit. We want to give a big shout out to our sound engineer, Caitlin, Thank and you. her dog. Yes, her doogie doogie doogie. Oh, little Jack Daniels. Uh, and, of course, a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean, um, all of our friends who have sat at, a ter- at our tables and gamed with us over the years, and especially you, our listeners. We love you all. Good, Good night, night, everybody.